You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Thanks, y'all. I'm Johnny. I use he, him pronouns. Let's uh, begin with a passage from the Bible. Um, Donovan is going to help a volunteer speak into the microphone so that everybody can hear them, including those that are on Zoom back there. There's a camera back there, and we have uh, some, some folks gathered there, too, so we're trying to include them as best as we can. Um, during talk back, we'll use the mic, too. Okay? And they can also talk back to us as well. So, new way of doing things. Any volunteers to read from John? John 18. I have someone do it. Yeah, go ahead, Tokia. Thank you. Then Pilati entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilati replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, testify the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. John 18, 33 37. Join me in prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Christ the King Sunday. Again, in the Christian calendar, it's the last Sunday of the year. And next week we'll enter into Advent. Um... So we declare that Jesus is king before we enter into the season where Jesus is in the womb. Before we enter into the darkness and the uncertainty of Advent. And we hold on to our remnant of hope and anticipation for Emmanuel. For God to be enfleshed. For, God, for Jesus to be incarnated. So we declare Jesus is king today. Because in the next season we await in mystery, and we do so with the assurance that Jesus is king in our anticipation of Jesus' return. I'll talk more about Advent next week, but today is Christ the King Sunday. It can be challenging to, I think for Americans it can be challenging to grasp the magnitude of this declaration because we have a religious freedom in the United States that sometimes acts as our king before Jesus does. One of the things we could have called out when Brian was leading us was freedom. In other words, our liberty in the United States is our king. And thus we're free to worship Jesus or anyone else if we're interested. Because of these challenges, though, I want to offer a story that may help us see the magnitude in which I speak. 
as well as using this passage from, the, from John. And finally, a way that we can declare the kingship of Jesus together. My parents grew up in Egypt, which is a Muslim theocracy with a significant, but not near majority, Christian population. When you grow up in an environment that uh, oppresses you for your faith, or when you have to suppress it, when you feel like you can't be your full self without facing scorn or shame, knowing that Jesus is king can be helpful. My mom told me this story recently. It was during the October War, the Yom Kippur War, between an Arab coalition led by Anwar Sadat's Egypt, and it was a war against Israel. My mother had to paint the windows of her house black so that the bombers that flew above them wouldn't know whether they were flying over a residential area or a desert. There was significant enmity between Israel and Egypt at that time. And even today, I, 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 I feel that. I bear it. You know, Palestinians are uh, siblings to Egyptians. But I can't imagine the fear, knowing that your life could be taken from you at any time during a war. It's those moments where you really do need to declare Jesus is king. Even though we knew that a guilty conviction was unlikely, when Kyle Rittenhouse was innocent, or found innocent of killing two people and injuring another one, victims of white supremacy needed Jesus to be their king. And the justice system that said he was innocent, despite what he did, is indicted by Jesus being king. The kingship of Jesus finds that justice system guilty. And when we're barreling toward a climate catastrophe, this devastated creation needs Jesus to be king. And those who tear it apart need Jesus as their king. Athanasius of Alexandria He's another Egyptian I like. In the great work called On the Incarnation, describes the incarnation of Jesus this way, as a, ki a king who subjects, whose subjects had revolted, would, after sending letters and messages, go to them in person. That's the incarnation. The king comes to see the subjects in person. We know that the king is reigning, and next week we await for him to come in person. Discussing the king's victory over death, Athanasius says this, 
For as when a tyrant has been defeated by a real king, bound hand and foot, then all that pass by him, that all that pass by laugh him to scorn, buffeting and reviling him, no longer fearing his fury and barbarity because the king has conquered him. Tyrants like a justice system that upholds white supremacy, the tyrants that could have bombed my mom, the tyrants of how we consume and what it does to the environment are bound by Jesus and his king, his kingdom. Athanasius invites us to laugh and buffet and revile because we're not afraid anymore of white supremacy or environmental devastation or a racist justice system because it's been defeated. We are hopeful for when that happens. I'm not supposed to be moving around, right? Bryant? I'm just saying, just need the advice because I, I like to wiggle. It's not enough to have Jesus be king over our lives or my mom's or the victims of Rittenhouse or the planet. We need Jesus to be a conqueror, not just a personal king. What do you need Jesus to liberate you from? Say it out loud. What do you need Jesus to liberate you from? Smoking? Yeah. Someone else? You can say it on Zoom, too. You can unmute or just type it in the chat. What else do you need Jesus to liberate you from? Worry? Anxiety? Any others? Impatience. A little louder? Yeah. Anger, yeah. Gotcha. Any more? Any more? What was that? Brain fog. Mm. Any more? Mm. Fear of repeating my parents' mistakes. I know speaking of conquest is difficult for a peace-loving community like ours. I might even be uncomfortable to say Jesus is a conqueror. But when you've witnessed oppression, when you faced death... It's reassuring when you serve a king who can defeat those things and conquer them. Understanding that the king as conqueror is important when we experience a force of death. And if you are threatened by Christ the conqueror, I wonder what forces of death you're complicit in. 
the assurance that the king's justice will prevail, especially on a week like this week when justice did not prevail, reassures us that our peaceful resistance, which is hardly pacifying, is good enough. The Bible is full of stories that promise the liberation of a king. In fact, it begins in Exodus when Israel's true God liberates them from their Egyptian captors. But it will continue as a refrain throughout the Old Testament and be especially clear when their worldly kings fail them. And they do fail both the united kingdom of Israel as well as the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel when they split. And in in, in 1 Samuel 8, when Israel really wants a king that isn't God, Samuel warns them, you'll have a series of bad kings. But this longing for a king to liberate them doesn't end. It continues into the New Testament. Our king saves us and inaugurates a new kingdom that we can dwell in. Jesus declares his own kingship and kingdom when he is being interrogated by Pilate, his eventual eventual executioner. Jesus is summoned to be interrogated by this governor named Pilate who has the ultimate authority here. The Jewish people are interested in finding Jesus guilty. They want to execute him, the Jewish leaders. But they don't have the authority to do it. Pilate has the final authority. They're not even in the room where it happens. Possibly because of their commitment to ritual purity but also demonstrating their lack of power here, too. Anyone know the reference I just made, by the way? Just, just you know, look at me if, you, if we can connect on that. Ultimately, though, Jesus demonstrates that God has the power over the Jews and the Romans, however. That nothing that happens to him will not be overcome by God's power. That even death won't contain this man. Jesus doesn't need to wield power in the moment because he already has the power. He has the final call. He has the final call over death, and he will demonstrate that. Pilate asks Jesus if he's really king, and Jesus knows that he's being accused of being a king by those who are hunting him down, those with whom he has enmity. And if Jesus is actually king... If he is declaring himself a king, then he's a threat to Pilate as well. He is being charged with this. He is guilty for sedition. That is the charge he receives from Rome. Treason against the empire. Because of who he declares himself to be. So he's breaking the law if he declares himself king. And he's careful about how he 
talks about it even in this moment. He doesn't shy away from his kingness, though. He says, indeed, he has a kingdom. And if we were here, his subjects would have been fighting for him. But Jesus' kingdom operates in a whole new way than the one in this political economy. My kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom doesn't work in the same way that we think of kingdoms. And his, his presence as a king is much different than what we understand as king. You might even be distracted by that word king because it has all sorts of a connotation attached to it. You know, it's a masculine word. It, 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 it assigns a lot of power and authority to someone. You know, we don't have a lot of fondness for monarchies, as far as I know, especially in the United States, right? We revolted against King George. We don't like monarchies. I mean, we have our own kind of royalty around here. But at least in principle, we say monarchies are illiberal. They're anti-freedom. But the king, the kingdom of God operates in a different way. So Jesus is also taking that term and saying, no, this is, this is how I'm doing it. He's conquering what isn't good with it. Jesus' kingdom operates in a whole different way. And it challenges the political economy through its, ver ver its, its very existence, but, it, but in a whole other way. He's the sort of king who comes, where does his authority come from? Telling the truth, witnessing to the truth. Our adherence to the truth is how we demonstrate our fidelity to Jesus. So if you're, if you're loyal to the truth, if you serve the truth, if you share the truth, you're being a loyal subject. Jesus isn't looking for the kind of loyalty that would cause you to believe a lie because someone said it. Jesus is looking for us to tell the truth, not to be dishonest. And when we are, we're being disloyal to Jesus. So seek the truth, and you're seeking Jesus. You're seeking righteousness. You're seeking justice. When we say Jesus is our king, then it is an overtly political statement. It's political because the kingship of Jesus is political. King is a political office. That doesn't mean you have to be political, so to speak. But rather... To not look for your salvation or liberation from a political leader or even political action. Those of you that know me know that doesn't mean I should shy away from political action, activity altogether. And I think Christians too often shy away from it. I think too often Christians, um, especially Christians with power, And American Christians have power, white Christians have power, male Christians have power, straight Christians have power. They can shy away from the political without recognizing that their body holds political, has a, has a political quality to it. And in fact, your body, uninterrogated, maintains a hierarchy in the world. 
And so you have no choice but to be political. And your lack of politicality is a political action. So when we're not political, we still are. So we live in a political economy. Everything has political value. And, and, and the kingship of Jesus does too. Jesus' king means, moves us to making this world not of this world, if you will. I think that the Christians that John was writing to would have been happy to vote Pilate out of office. And so that sort of engagement is, impo is important. The Bible has political action in it. But when we do act politically, as important as these matters are, we may even do so to some extent with ambivalence or even trepidation because we're manipulating power structures that aren't of God. We have a responsibility to do that, but it isn't a form of worship or the highest form of expression. We can extend our political imaginations further because we relate to this king who is not of this world. Right, that gets us to question the, the foregone conclusions in the world. We can, we can break those open. We can have a prophetic imagination. As Walter Brueggemann says, we can imagine things that no one thinks are possible. And that can inform our political action too. So we participate and we know that when tomorrow comes, we will keep serving our Lord and extending and revealing his kingdom. Jesus being king reminds us that we don't have to serve another king. Who are the other kings we serve instead of Jesus? Uninterrogated, it's all sorts of power structures that we're talking about, right? White Christians submit to whiteness unless they're actively not doing that. And men submit to patriarchy unless we're actively not doing that. And to homophobia unless we're actively including and welcoming LGBTQIA people. Right? Our church is working on that now. We say Jesus is Lord and Jesus is King. That means there's no other one that's fit for that office. So take the person who is sitting on the throne in your life and oust them. That's the constant struggle that we're in. Someone else wants to occupy it. Pilate wants to occupy it. Pilate is threatened by Jesus' power. So take what threatens Jesus' power out of your life. That's what repentance looks like. And we're actively repenting of, as a church right now, specifically white supremacy and homophobia. Those are the things that hold the office, that hold the throne. And if we think Jesus is Lord, and we think Jesus is King, then this is what it means. 
Our invitation today is to do our part in this new kingdom led by a king who conquered death. What does Christ the King come to do? To conquer death and to help save his people. And our death-defying king leads us to be death-defiers too. So we preserve life and we help people be their fullest and truest self, living their fullest and truest lives. What doesn't preserve life? What kills it are racism, as we saw this last week, without any accountability for it. Homophobia kills life, right? Look at the teen suicide rate of LGBTQIA people and look how much higher it is in Christian communities. It's life and death. This is, this is not a small issue. It's not something you can just agree to disagree about. The truth, because you're pursuing truth, because we're witnesses to the truth, the truth moves us. It's in our bodies. It matters. It's not abstract. These things matter to real people. It's not an abstract theological or political discussion. We're talking about people's bodies, their lives. And we're a very materialistic faith in that sense. We care a lot about bodies. Jesus comes to us in the flesh, resurrects in the flesh. Our bodies matter. And so these uh, political debates are caught up in our bodies. And so no, we have to take a side. There's no, there's no choice for us. And when you don't, you do. We preserve life, we help people to be their fullest and truest selves, living their fullest and truest lives. That's the promise of dwelling in the kingdom and serving this king. You get to be your whole self and seen and known and loved and not ashamed. In our church, we believe that seeing and knowing each other is an invitation into the kingdom. And I want to know that I see you, or I'm trying to see you as best as I can. And I know this season is hard for numerous reasons. There is stress upon stress, layer upon layer. And some of you feel it acutely because of who you are, because of what's in your body, because of how you navigate this world. I want to see you. I want you to see me too. And so does Jesus. And he will liberate us. And he has too. We celebrate Christ the King Sunday because we know that liberation is here and it is coming. So this week, practice that. Practice listening. Practice seeing. Practice knowing. All of that elevates life and conquers death. Purpose yourself to be a death defier. When you see death, resist it. Preserve life. Resurrect life. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.